We're going to dive right into Scripture this morning and, and get into God's Word. We're in a series talking about the box. The box. Everybody has God in a box. And that box is the size and the shape of your knowledge of God, my knowledge of God, what I believe about God, what I think about God, my expectations, all of that create a box and we keep God in that box. What we're talking about this month is let's take the lid off the box and let's let God be everything in our lives that he says he will be. How many of you want to experience all of God? See, that, that's my heart. I don't want to leave this life and not experience all that God has for me. Now, I know when this life's over, God's got a lot of things planned for eternity. Some Christians seem to go through life saying, well, I'll be glad when this thing's over so I can get there and experience God. God wants you to experience him now. And that's the whole idea. We want to take the lid off of the box give God a chance to work in our lives. Last week, we started diving into... Colossians chapter 1, the verses that we read that are really the foundation for this series. And, and last week, we looked at the first part of Paul's prayer there. And Paul prayed three things. The first thing he prayed was, I'm praying for you that you will know God's will for your life. God has a will for your life. God has a plan for your life. I'm not going to take time to reteach what I taught last week. We broke it down into two simple pieces. It's really good. It's applicable. If you weren't here, go back and listen to it. You can check it out online or on, on the church app. But we talked about finding and knowing the will of God and living out God's will. Today, I want to go into the second part of his prayer because Paul also prayed that we could have a healthy, vibrant fulfilling relationship with God. Now, those aren't his exact words. We're going to look at his words in a few minutes. Those are my words. But I believe God wants all of us to be in relationship with him that is beneficial to our lives. See, what a lot of people miss about serving God, you know, we get caught up in religion and all this stuff. But the truth about serving God is it brings so much into our lives when we live life with God and we walk with him. So God wants to draw us into a relationship that's healthy, that's vibrant, that's fulfilling, and makes us look forward to getting out of bed every day because we know God is involved in our lives. So this morning, I want to start with one of the great statements in the Bible. Um, I'm just going to throw the verse up here real quickly and, and touch on it and move on from here. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, I'm going to talk about that relationship with God. We say it all the time here at the Bridge Church, knowing God is not about religion, it's about relationship. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, everybody say, in Christ. If anyone, if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Let that sink in just a minute. If we're in Christ, we become a new creation creation a new creature we enter into a new life all things have passed away behold all things have become new it's interesting wording in christ if any one of us is in christ now paul doesn't spend a lot of time in this particular verse explaining in christ 
But if you read his writings, you have an understanding. He's probably referring to the new birth. If we've laid down our old identity and we've taken on the identity of Christ, if we are in Christ, if we are in trust, if we are in faith, we enter into a different kind of life. You see, when we enter into a relationship with God, it changes our life. Changes everything about life. The old person is gone. I'm now a new person. God has given me a new start on life, a brand new life. He's given me his life to live. So he says, live out this new life. Live in relationship with me. So, you know, what's new about all this? Well, there's a lot that's new. Everything's new. But God has qualified me to be in relationship with him. And let me ask you a question today. If God himself has qualified us to be in, let me rephrase it. If God has qualified me to be in relationship with him, why wouldn't I want to do that? If God has said, you can know me, why wouldn't I want to do that? Why wouldn't I pursue that relationship? So, so what does a healthy, vibrant, fulfilling relationship with God look like? If I enter into this relationship with God, what can I expect? Well, first of all, let me spend a couple of minutes talking about relationship. All of us have relationships. There are family relationships, you know, there, there are parents, children, there are sibling relationships, there are cousins that we have relationships with, all those family relationships that hold us together. And, and then there are friendships, relationships. You know, some of our friends are closer than our physical brothers and sisters and family members. And, and then there's marriage relationship, husband and wife, man and woman coming together, something God intended for us. That's another kind of relationship. But let's talk about relationship. Relationships are fueled by the value we find in each other. Okay? We pursue certain friendships because we find value in another person. We find value in hanging out with them. They add things to our lives, so we love those relationships. We enter into a marriage because we find someone that has stuff that we don't have, and it's like, wow, this is so cool. All that they can bring into my life, all that they can give to me, and all that I can give to them, we value each other. You see, this is what agape love is about. Agape love, the word in the Greek, agape, which is talking about the God kind of love, agape love, now listen to this, is a love that springs from the heart of God toward us, because he sees value in us. See, some believers don't understand that. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Why would he do that? Because he saw value in us. We're created in his likeness and his image. And when he looks at us, he sees something of himself in us. And he values all the giftings, all the abilities. He values what he created us to be. So he gave his own son to bring us into relationship with him so we could live out his plan for our lives. So relationship with God is based on value. He values us. And John in one of his epistles said, we love him, we agape him, we value him because he first 
loved us. He first valued us. So we respond to God's love with our love for him. Now, relationships, some relationships are defined by what we call contracts. How many know what a contract is? See, in scripture, in, even in legal terms, oftentimes contracts referred to as covenants, agreements. Scripture talks about the covenant God made with Israel in the Old Testament. It also talks about the covenant, the contract that we have with Christ in the New Testament. And here's what's interesting. A contract has something for all the parties who sign on to it. Let me illustrate it to you. Let's say you buy a house and you can't pay the full asking price. I was looking this week, I think in the city of Temecula, the average house price, this is, takes in condos, everything, the average price of a home in Temecula is $450,000. When you buy your home, especially your first home, you're probably not gonna have $450,000. I at least thought somebody would laugh at that, but I guess not. <laughs> so what do you do? You go to a mortgage company, and they check your credit, they do all the homework, they, and if they okay it, they make a, a loan to you, and here's what they do. They say, we will give you $450,000 to buy this house, but you will pay us back with interest. So you don't just give us $450,000, by the time it's done, you'll give us a million dollars plus is what you're going to do. <laughs> so what's the deal? There's something in it for everybody. Steve, am I, am I pretty close on this? Okay. It, it, okay, in today's political language, it's quid pro quo is what it is. There's something for everybody. Okay? There's something for everybody. There's something in it for me, and there's something in it for the mortgage company. That's what contracts do. So when we come into relationship with God, he says, I'm going to make this covenant with you. When you get married, you sign a certificate of marriage you get your marriage license but then then comes the agreement i will i will i do i do for the rest of my life there it is that's contract language is what it is in a marriage each of us gives something to the other each of us gives something each of us receives something that's what a covenant is now having said all of that God wants to be in relationship with us. Now, I know this is where a lot of people struggle with faith in God. Because when I talk like this, two things come up. I tell you, God wants to be in relationship with you. God wants you to know him. Two questions always come up. Number one, what does God want from me? Well, anytime you sign a contract, you need to know what you're giving up in that contract. What does God want from me? Number two, what, what is God going to give to me? What's in it for me? Two, two good, fair questions. I want to dive into these today. But let me ask you before I start. If I were to ask you, what does God want from you? What would your answer be? If I were to ask you, what does God have for you? What would your answer be? See, the point of this message is what we find in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, in the very last part of the verse. Paul's prayer is that we would continue to grow in the knowledge of God. 
Some people run from God because they don't understand what God wants from them and they don't understand what God has for them. So I can't really do this justice in one message, but I'm going to give you some highlights today and run through this. So two simple thoughts today, two questions we're going to answer in part. Number one, what does God want from me? Now let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verse number 10. Last week we looked at verse 9, today we're going to look at verse number 10. So here's what it says. My prayer is that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, there's four thoughts all tied together in that verse. And I'm going to run through them quickly this morning. Because a lot of people say, well, you know, God just asks too much. Really? Really? Some people would read that and say, walk worthy of God, please God completely, be fruitful in every good work and increase. I, I can't do that. God asks too much. No, he does not. Some people say, you know, when I was a kid, I used to hear preachers say, well, the Christian life is so hard. Do <laughs> you ever hear that? If you grew up in an old-fashioned legalistic church like me, a lot of people say, oh, the Christian life is hard. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Living life with God is a whole lot easier than living life without God. But some people don't understand. What does God really ask of me? Let me walk you through these four thoughts real quickly today. Number one, in this verse, Paul says, walk worthy of the Lord. What does that mean? At least three times in his writings in the New Testament, Paul uses that phrase, walk worthy, walk worthy. Now, if I just throw it out there and say, you need to walk worthy of God, what does that do? Well, that just gives me a license to define it for myself. Well, that's not very well defined. How do I walk worthy of God? That expression literally means live life appropriately. When it says walk worthy of God, it says live life appropriately. Live, listen to me, live the new life God has given to you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If you are in Christ, God's given you a new life. So what does he want you to do? Live appropriately. Live and walk out that new life he's given you. Don't live the old life and then hope that God gets involved somewhere down the line. Walk into this new life God has for us. Live appropriately. Now, some would say, well, that's still a little vague. Okay, let me flip it around. Don't live inappropriately. How many of you know when you're living inappropriately? Yeah, we know. The Word tells us we get a check in our hearts. We know. We know when we're crossing lines. He says, walk in the new life God has given you. Walk in the spirit, not just in the flesh. The second thing he says is fully please God. Now this one really is a heavy load for some of us. I've already simplified the first one. Live appropriately. Fully pleasing God. Did you know if I live appropriately, I fully please God? Think about that. That makes things so much more simple. If I live in this new life he's given me, I will live out a life that God approves of. 
If I live all of my life, if I let Jesus be Lord of all of my life, God is absolutely pleased with the life that I live. That's appropriate. But you see, here's the thing. It's a growing process. God doesn't expect us to come to Christ one day and the next day we just live this perfect life and we never make any mistakes. No, that's why he made provisions in 1 John 1, that if we confess our sins, our mistakes, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's not there as a license to sin. It's there for us to understand on this journey, it's a growing journey. And if I miss the mark, I don't have to run from God. I can come to God and he wants to help me with my struggles. That's God's plan. Fully pleasing God. Now, let me talk to you about two things real quickly here. If I'm going to fully please God, and there's a lot in this list I could throw in, but let me break it down to two things. Number one, I need to communicate with God. Okay? If you've got a mortgage, you're communicating every month when you write the check. You're saying, yep, I'm in, I'm in. Any contract, any agreement, you continually have this conversation, this communication. Isn't it amazing how difficult religion makes communication with God? I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how difficult we make it. Oh, prayer. Oh, I can't pray. We talk to everybody else. Why can't you talk to God? What is communication? It's talking and it's listening. It's talking. We talk every day. We listen every day. But when it comes to prayer, oh, I just can't do that. Sure you can. Well, I, I go to church. I listen to him pray in church and I can't do that. You don't need to pray publicly for everybody. You need to talk to God about what's going on in your heart and your life. Sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one because he wants to hear from you. And then if you'll sit and listen, God will speak back to you. God wants us to communicate with him. How is God going to talk to us? Well, he may talk to us by his word. He may talk to us when we pray and we listen. We just get impressions in our heart or however God speaks to you, however he works with you and your, the way you're wired and your personality, God will communicate with you. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just drops things in that we just kind of know things. God communicates with us when we open our hearts to him. So talk to God. You can't build a relationship without communication. Talk to him. There's not a right way to talk to God. Just talk to him. Talk to him. And, and then another thing we need to do is we need to trust God. The word trust means a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or the strength of someone else. You know what? I, I have complete faith that God is who he says he is, and he's going to do what he said he would do. Because his word says it, and he cannot lie. And my years of walking with God, he's proven himself time and time and time again. He's trustworthy. So I need to trust him. Because as I trust God, it strengthens the relationship. It strengthens my commitment to him. So live appropriately, fully pleasing God every area of life. And then the third thing he says is, be fruitful in every good work. Be fruitful in every good work. What does that mean? Let me give you a little story. The story that Jesus gave us is found in Matthew 25. 
It's a long story. I don't have time to read it. You can go home and read it for yourself. It starts in verse 14 of Matthew 25. Jesus gave this story about what we call the parable of the talents. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, here's how the kingdom of heaven works. It's like this guy who's going to go on a long journey, so he turns all of his business to his servants, his employees, if you will. And to one of his employees, he gave five talents, five responsibilities. To another, he gave two responsibilities or talents. To a third person, he gave one responsibility, one talent. And said, take care of this and do what's right with this until I return. After a period of time, he came back. And when he came back, the one who had the five talents, the five responsibilities, came running in and said, Lord, I had five and I've worked with it, I've used it, and now I have ten. I multiplied it. I was fruitful. I used it to the best of my ability. And the Lord said, you know what? I'm so proud of you. Enter into my joy. That's awesome. The second guy comes in and said, Lord, you gave me two talents. I didn't have five. I had two. But I've doubled mine. I've worked with it. I've used it correctly. I've been a good steward. And now I've doubled what you gave me. And he says, enter into my joy. It's what the Lord says. Enter into my joy. There's this relationship of trust and this relationship of joy because I'm living out the life God gave me and doing what God gave me to do. But then this third guy comes in. And he says, you know, you gave me one, one talent, one responsibility, one thing to work with. But I know what a tough dude you are. And I was afraid of you. Because I was afraid that I might not use it properly. So I went and dug a hole and I buried it in the ground. And now that you come back, I just went and dug it up and I brought it back to you. Here's your talent back. And the master looked at him and said, you are a wicked and a lazy servant. Think about that. He didn't say, well, you weren't the best, but we're going to give you a trophy anyway. <laughs> Not what he did. Does that hit home anywhere today? See, some of you don't know how God thinks. You need to stop and think today about how God thinks. The Lord said, I can't believe it. I gave you something to work with and you did nothing with it. Your life for me has been absolutely unfruitful. You did nothing to advance what I'm trying to do here on the earth. So the Lord says, take away from him that one talent and give it to the guy who has ten because I know he'll use it correctly. And for that servant, listen to this. He says, take him and cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't want that unproductive person around me. Now, some of you would say, well, well, that's harsh and that's how I see God. See, that's the problem. That's the problem. He feared God. He was afraid to use what God had given him. He said, no, I can't. He made excuses and he went and hid it and buried it. And I want to ask you today, what are you doing with what God has given you? Because God wants us to live fruitful lives. If you go back to Genesis, when God created man, it says he blessed man and he said, now, go and be fruitful. 
Take dominion over the earth. Go, use what you've got. Use what I've given you to work with. Friends, God has given every one of us stuff to work with in this life. And all God wants us to do is use what he's given us for his benefit and for his glory. It's that simple. And I, I only had this one little talent. I wish I was like Pastor Nick and I had five talents. If I had five, I'd do something. No, you wouldn't. If you don't do anything with one, you sure wouldn't do anything with five. This is the whole sermon in itself, okay? How many are ready for me to move on to the next point? <laughs> you know what God wants me to do? He wants me to live appropriately using the stuff he's given me. Every one of you has something that God wants used for the benefit of his kingdom now and for eternity. Just use it. He doesn't want you to be me. He doesn't want you to be anybody else. He wants you to use what he's given you for his glory. And then the fourth thing, and I love this part, ever increasing in the knowledge of God. Ever increasing in the knowledge of God. The whole idea behind this series is to take the lid off of the box. Why? Because the more we know of God, the closer it brings us to God. See, good teaching, good doctrine doesn't move us away from God. It moves us closer to God. And I'll get into that more in a minute. But there's so much misunderstanding in the church because we have such a lack of knowledge sometimes. We don't know what the Bible says. We don't know what the Bible teaches. And we're not growing. We're not trying to learn what the Bible teaches. We're not trying to learn God's word. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Naaman. It's uh, 2 Kings 5. You can go home and read it for yourself. Naaman was this army leader who came down with leprosy. And the king, or, or actually, the, the king sent him to Israel to see the prophet of God, Elisha, because a little slave girl heard the story and said, man, Elisha can heal that. So to make a long story short, this man Naaman, who was a real prominent guy, I mean, he's like he's the secretary of defense. This guy goes to Israel, and he goes to Elisha's house and gets there with his big entourage, and he's you know, probably riding his big white horse, and he gets there, and he has all these preconceived ideas of here's what he's going to do when I get there. Well, when Elisha finds out he's there, Elisha doesn't even go out to meet him. Elisha sends his servant out and tells him, uh, the man of God says, go down and dip in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be cleansed. And this guy got furious. No, I'm not going to do that. The waters in Syria are cleaner than the Jordan. I'm not going to dip in the Jordan. That's stupid. And what he said was, I thought when I got here that this prophet would come out here to me and he would acknowledge me and he would wave his hands over me and do all this stuff and heal me of my leprosy. I'm not going to go down and dip in that dirty Jordan River. I've dipped in the Jordan River, by the way. Nice place to swim, nice place to be baptized. But the little fish nibble on your legs while you're in the water, just so you know. But here's the point I want to make. I'm not going to do that because he had these preconceived ideas. Here's how God's going to do it. Finally, one of the people in his honorage said, you know what? Naaman, if, if he'd asked you to go give $100,000 away and be healed... Or go do some great deed. You do that. Why not humble yourself and obey him? The worst thing that can happen is you get wet in muddy water seven times. At least it's worth a try. So he went down and dipped seven times. And the seventh time he came up, he was totally cleansed of his leprosy. 
You see, some of us get these preconceived ideas. Well, God's this way and God's this way and he's going to work this way and going to do it that way. You know what? Get into the scripture. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and God will lead you into a relationship with God where your knowledge is always growing. My relationship with God will only be as strong as my knowledge of God. And there's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Build on what you know about God. I've got to really move fast, but, but I want you to listen to this. When I was a kid, growing up in old-fashioned, legalistic, strict church, I feared God. I, fe I was afraid of God. Because I knew he's this old guy with his long, dark hair and this white beard. And he's just sitting up there angry, waiting for me to mess up. And I was trying to live by the rules, but every now and then I, I didn't live up to it. And I expected any night, man, I'm going to die. I'm going to go to hell. He hates me. He can't stand me. I am not good enough. I grew up thinking that way because of what was put in my head about God. But can I tell you something? As I began to study God's word, I began to get closer to God because I understood who he is and what he is and what his plans are for my life. So the second part of this is, okay, so we know what God wants of me. What does God have for me? You know, this month we're reading Mark's gospel together and we're sending out videos five days a week. We read through Mark's gospel. We're seeing who Jesus is and what he did in people's lives to open up our understanding and help us take the lid off the box. Let me give you one more piece of really good homework for the week. Go home and read Romans chapter 8. Read it slowly. Romans chapter 8. Go home and read it. Because I want to refer real quickly to just some things God has for you. I could spend the next several Sundays telling you from this book the things that God has for us, the things he's promised for us. But i got to condense it into one message today. So I'm going to give you a quick glimpse of what God has for us. Right out of Romans chapter 8. If he says, you're a new creature in me, what is this new life like? Well, first of all, all my sin is forgiven and the guilt is gone. See, we tend to live our lives with guilt. We tend to live our lives with shame. But Jesus went to the cross, and a part of what he did on the cross, he took not only our guilt, he took our shame. Everything wrong with us was put on Christ so that everything that was right in him could be poured into my life, in our lives. The sin's gone. I'm forgiven. My guilt is gone. There's no condemnation, verse 1 of Romans 8 says, to those who are in Christ Jesus. My sin and my guilt is gone. The second thing we see is we're now adopted into God's family. Who are we? We are the children of God. See, don't tell me you're Baptist. Don't tell me you're Catholic. Don't tell me you're Methodist, you're Presbyterian, you're Pentecostal. Don't give me a label. If you know God, you are a child of God. That's the label above all labels. And we need to understand that and wear that label. Who are you? I'm a child of God. God's adopted me. 
I now can say, Daddy God. I can now have a relationship with him where I'm not afraid of him. I can go run up and jump in his arms because he cares about everything going on in my life. His spirit wants to lead me through life, so I stop making blind, dumb mistakes. God is for me, and he's with me. And Scripture even says in Romans 8, I am now an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Third thing it says is, God is working on my behalf. I talked about this a little bit last week. We know all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Even in ways when I can't see it and I don't know it, God is still working on my behalf. He's my heavenly father. He's looking into the future. He's ordaining my footsteps. He's directing me one day at a time saying, no, step here next. No, no, go here next. Everything that happens around me, he's turning it all for good. And scripture says, if God's for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. God's going to turn it all for good. He's working on my behalf. Fourth, it says, God will be my source for the things in life that I need that I cannot provide for myself. It's a big deal learning to let God be your source because we like to be self-sufficient. God wants to be my source for everything. And what it goes on to say to us in verse 32 of Romans 8, it says that God gave his only son. And if he would do that, wouldn't he provide everything else that his children need in this life? Of course he will. Of course he will. I can trust him. He'll freely give me everything I need. And then the fifth thing it says in that chapter, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can snatch me out of his hand. Nothing can move me away from him. My faith and my trust is in God. There is nobody who can walk me away from the love and the blessing and the protection of God's power. And his strength is available to me every day. I can trust him for everything I encounter in life. As I finish today, I want to give you just a couple of thoughts to seal this message in your heart. Wrap it all up. We've talked about what God wants from me. And we've talked a little bit about what God has for me. Did you know in all of your lifetime, you can never explore all the greatness of God's love and all the depth of his love? You can live it every day for the rest of your life and you'll never see it all. Never, ever, ever, because you cannot exhaust the blessing of God. His mercies are new every morning according to what we're dealing with on that day. We say it all the time, God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. But let me ask you, is your knowledge of God increasing? I talked about five things just in Romans chapter 8 that God's provided for us that should color the way I see all of life. The question is, do I believe that? Do I believe what God says or do I believe what other people say? Do I accept myths and ideas of man or do, am I trusting God to do and be who he says he is and 
what he says he will do. Let me illustrate this to you. When I say to you, and I ask the question, is your knowledge increasing? Are you believing again, expanding your life every day as you walk with God? Let me ask you, Matthew 7, verse 11. I want to ask you if you believe this. Jesus said, if you, being evil, give good gifts to your children, how much more does our Heavenly Father want to give good gifts to His children? Do you believe that? See, I live every day of my life believing if there's something I can't provide for myself that I need in life, God's going to provide it. Why? Because He said He would. That's the knowledge I have of God. I've been walking with God for a lot of years. I've seen Him time and time again pour good gifts into my life when I needed it. I remember one day years ago, I had a big need. Anybody ever had a big need? And I looked at all my resources, all my avenues, and I could not find an answer. Now, my, my earthly father, who went to be with the Lord several years ago, my earthly father, he was my best friend. He believed in me. He, I mean, he stood behind me all, all the years of my life, really, especially my adult years. When I had a need, I could go talk to my dad. And if my dad had resource of any kind to meet my need, he would help me immediately. One day I had a need that was really big. It was much bigger than my dad. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't take care of it. He couldn't fix it. And I've been struggling with this need for a few days. And I remember I was at the front of the church praying one day, the church where I was pastoring. And I was praying, saying, God, I, I have this need. And God, it's so big. And God, I don't know what to do. I, God, I need you to do something amazing here. I have this need. And I kept going over and over the need. And all of a sudden, the thought ran through my mind. If God was as good as my earthly dad, he would have already taken care of this. It didn't come out my mouth because I realized God was trying to change my thinking about him. And God said, if your earthly dad is good to you, how much better will I be? See, God wants me to trust him. When I look at what God offers me and I compare it to what I lay down, there is no comparison. When, when I go back and I, I think about this whole thing of covenant, you know what covenant really means in Scripture? Covenant with God means when I come into covenant with God and I come into this relationship, everything I have belongs to Him if He wants it. Some people have a hard time with that. But the flip side of covenant is everything that belongs to him is mine if I need it. I've learned to believe that. God doesn't, God doesn't withhold resources because he's not going to go bankrupt. He's never going to run out. But I need to believe that. What does God have for us today? Forgiveness, freedom, peace, his presence, hope, expectation for the future. 
joy for everyday living, wisdom, direction for my life every day, protection, provision, eternal life. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. And he says, give me your life and I'll give you what I have. What an exchange. But I need to keep growing in the knowledge of God. I want to pray for you today. What does God want from you? He wants us to live appropriately. He wants us to live in this new life of blessing he's given us. Walk away from the old life of doubt and fear and walk into this life of faith where he becomes everything he says he is in his word. Bow your heads today. I want to pray for you. Father, I lay everything at your feet today. Same way I need to do every day. I lay everything at your feet and I express my dependence upon you. God, I give you my life. God, I want your life. Father, I ask you to help me in this journey. Increase my knowledge, my understanding. Increase my faith as I hear your word and as I study your word, as I learn what you have for me. Increase my faith to embrace all of it, to walk away from an old lifestyle, to walk into this new lifestyle of blessing. God, increase my knowledge of you and help me wrap my heart around it today. And help me to live appropriately in the new life that you've given me. It's a new life that will honor you. God, I pray for every person in this room. Expand our thinking. Help us take the lid off of the box so that we grow in you. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Heads are still bowed. Eyes are closed for just one more minute. Maybe you're here today and you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, th th this makes some sense. I, I get it. You know, I don't really know God. I've never really, never really asked him to help me. I've never really become his child. I've never entered into this new life. Where do I start? You start right here, right now. God loves you so much. He put his own son on a cross to pay for your past mistakes so that you could come into an everyday relationship with him and know him throughout eternity. And it all starts with us extending our hearts to him and receiving an invitation. It starts with me saying, God, I need you in my life. I want to lead you in a prayer because that's where it starts. It's an invitation for God to be God in our lives. I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this prayer with me. Pray it right out loud. You don't need to yell the words, but everybody pray this out loud. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I want to know you. I want you to be my God. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I lay everything at your feet. I want to learn your ways. I want to follow you. I want to grow in my understanding of you. So from this moment forward, you are my Father. And I'm your child. Thank you for loving me and receiving me today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Now, if you just prayed that prayer, if it's the first time you've ever prayed that prayer, or maybe you've been running from God for a while, or maybe you've just been confused about God, but today you're realizing, I, I want to be God's child. I want to know God and follow Him. It's the most important decision you ever make in your entire life. And we want to help you as you begin to build this relationship with God. We have a free gift for you. It's a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's really simple, short reading for the next few days. It'll help you understand just a little bit of what God has for you. So we want to give this to you. When service is over, we'll have some prayer teams or just everyday people like you and me who will be here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you just walk up to one of these teams and say, hey, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. If you've got questions, they can answer them. If you want prayer for something else, they'll pray with you. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. But please, let us give this to you today before you leave. Now, if you're in a really big rush out in the lobby between the glass doors where you exit, there's a counter set up there with the big sign. You can get the same booklet there. Just walk up and say, can I get the booklet? Again, no strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. Can we welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. Your family. You're in the family of God, the family of faith. Now, let's grow in God and walk this out. You know, before we finish today, let me remind you, all throughout this month, we're sending out daily videos, Monday through Friday. Tomorrow, you'll get a recap from Sunday's message in three minutes. Uh, then each day, you'll get just a little thought out of the chapters we're reading. This week, we'll start in Mark chapter 9 on Tuesday. So please, follow along the videos, and a lot of you already are. I promise you, it'll help you in your walk with God. But this is the time in service where we worship God with our giving. Service is almost completed. The ushers are going to come forward in just a moment and give us an opportunity to give. The ways we give are on the screen. Choose whatever fits your lifestyle best. I just want to encourage you, honor God with what he's blessed you with, and God just continues to open the windows of heaven and bless us more that we can be a blessing to his kingdom and to other people. God bless you today. As we give, let's watch church news together. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Nancy, and we want to thank you for being in church with us this morning. We hope that you enjoy your morning and that you and your family feel right at home today. A new year has arrived, and we are very excited about everything 2020 has in store for us. We hope that you will be here for everything that's happening in the weeks ahead. Here's a look at what's coming up at The Bridge. We're so excited about the relaunch of our Bridge Women's season. We're believing that God has incredible things in store for each one of us. So we hope that you'll join us on Monday night, January 27th at 6.30. As always, Spanish translation is provided as well as childcare for infants through fifth grade. So pick up some invite cards at the info center in the foyer to get all the details and invite the girls in your world. We can't wait to see you. If you are new to The Bridge or looking to find out how you can get involved, we invite you to join us at Connecting Point. Maybe you want to make The Bridge your home church or find out how you can serve on a team. Connecting Point is your first step. Come and hear the heart, mission, and vision of The Bridge, but most importantly, find out where you fit in. If you'd like to come, it's happening on Sunday, February 2nd during the 1130 service. Just sign up at the Info Center before you go today so that we can plan for you. You can also sign up on our website or on the Bridge app. 
We hope to meet you and help you get connected on Sunday, February 2nd at Connecting Point. Our desire at The Bridge is for everyone to know others and be known. If you have a desire to build deeper relationships with others and facilitate spiritual growth in a smaller setting, then we want you to consider leading a connect group. Today we will be having a connect group leader training to prepare for our spring term. If you are interested in leading a group for the first time at the bridge, we will be meeting at 1 p.m. right after the 1130 service and lunch will be provided. If you would like to join us, come over to the music and arts room through the exit doors to your right at 1 p.m. We hope you'll consider leading a connect group and join us today. If you're new to the bridge and you want to find out how to get plugged in, we invite you to stop by the info center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come and say hi. Our team is here to help you find your place at the bridge. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For general info, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can also download the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. Thanks again for spending your morning with us. We love spending Sundays with you. Just before we go today, a couple things. Uh, first of all, if you have been a Connect Group leader, we're about to start new terms. So if you're going to renew and you're going to be a leader the next term or you're still deciding for sure, there's a meeting right now for existing Connect Group leaders with Pastor Nick down that hallway in the Music and Arts Room. It starts right after this service is over. If you're newer to the bridge or if you've never led a connect group but you're thinking about leading a connect group, they'll be having a meeting with lunch served after second service today. So even if you're just thinking about it, trying to figure out your place in all this and you've got it in your heart, make your plans to be there after second service today. Then one last thing. Uh, we announced last week that this is the last week to sign up for the youth convention if you have teenage kids. Pastor Corey was telling me all the girls' spaces are taken but there's still space for four, five, five young men. If you have a teenage boy who's not signed up, there's still room for five more young men. Hey, God bless you. Uh, so glad you're here today. Have a great, great Sunday. When I was seven.